Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to the WISH Second Quarter 2021 Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants' lines are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to Dennis Walsh, WISH VP and Investor Relations. Thank you. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, May. Good afternoon and welcome, everyone. Joining me today to discuss our results are WISH's founder and CEO, Peter Szczeski, as well as our interim co-CFOs, Brett Just and Jennifer Oliver. During the call, we will make forward-looking statements about our future plans and financial performance. These statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions. If the risks materialize or assumptions prove incorrect, actual results could differ materially from the results implied by these forward-looking statements. We encourage you to consider the risk factors described in our SEC filings for additional information. The date of this call is August 12, 2021, and forward-looking statements made today are based on assumptions as of this date. We undertake no obligation to and do not intend to update these statements as a result of new information or events. This call is being broadcast on the Internet and is accessible on our Investor Relations website. A recording of the call will be available later today. During the call, we will discuss GAAP and non-GAAP measures, including adjusted EBITDA and free cash flow. We encourage you to read our quarterly shareholder letter and earnings news release, both of which can be found on our Investor Relations website and on a Form 8K which we have filed with the SEC, as they contain important information about our GAAP and non-GAAP results, including reconciliations of historical non-GAAP financial measures. We'll now open with brief remarks, and then we will take your questions. And with that, I'll turn the call over to Peter. Thank you, Dennis, and welcome, everyone. WISH faced several obstacles that affected our performance in the second quarter of 2021. Our results were disappointing, as they came in below our expectations on both the top and bottom lines due to a combination of macro and company-specific headwinds. In addition, we expected user attention to increase now that we have made reliable logistics. However, our attention declined instead. We know that we can do better, but first, we need to make changes to the way that we operate and improve our execution. While we have already begun taking action, we expect it will be several quarters before the benefits begin to materialize. I'll focus our opening remarks today on the headwinds we face and the actions we are taking to address them. Then I will close out with our outlook. You can find a detailed review of our results in the shareholder letter that has been posted to our investor relations website. Starting with our Q2 results. After a strong start, demand slowed as we move through the quarter, resulting in a 6% year-over-year decline in revenue to $656 million. Strong logistics revenue growth of 126% year-over-year was more than offset by a 29% year-over-year decline in marketplace revenue. While we are not pleased with this revenue performance, we should note that we faced a very difficult comparison with the second quarter of 2020. That period last year was strong due to increased mobile usage and less competition from physical retail as the pandemic intensified. In fact, our Q2 guidance that we provided called for only a 3% year-over-year revenue growth at the midpoint of the range. On the bottom line, we reported a second quarter 2021 net loss of $111 million and adjusted EBITDA loss of $67 million. This compares with a net loss of $11 million and adjusted EBITDA gain of $16 million in Q2 2020. The increased losses were primarily due to lower order volume 
and the comp to a strong Q2 2020. From a macro perspective, as vaccine rates increased and stay-at-home orders began to ease over the past few months, daily user activity and active buyers on our platform declined more than we anticipated. This was particularly true in the U.S., France, and Italy, three of our largest markets. In fact, we saw a 13% reduction in app installs and a 15% reduction in average time spent on our platform globally from the second quarter of 2020. Despite lower engagement, the cost of digital advertising on leading app platforms, which historically have generated a lot of demand and conversion of new and existing buyers on our app, continued to increase during Q2. In fact, CPNs on one app platform were up nearly 50% year-over-year. In addition, the recent privacy changes for iOS have caused more advertisers to shift spend to Android devices. As a reminder, the majority of Wish users are on Android devices, so the iOS changes were not expected to have any immediate major impact on our business. However, as more advertisers shifted their spend from iOS to Android, it drove up bids for impressions, limited the quantity of impression supply, and ultimately increased our advertising costs. These rising digital advertising costs contributed to lower marketing efficiency. Therefore, during the quarter, Wish's proprietary data science algorithms reduced our digital advertising spend, resulting in slower new buyer growth and reduced retention. Our algorithms are designed to optimize for returns on marketing investment and user conversion in real time. Ultimately, our goal is to execute cost-effective and successful digital marketing strategies to acquire new users and re-engage existing users on the Wish platform. The rise in digital advertising costs, coupled with declining retention and new buyer conversion, requires us to make some significant changes in the way we operate. We are implementing the following initiatives that we believe will improve the user experience and increase retention. First, we are focused on enhancing product quality and selection. With Wish's new quality score system, we are now now emphasizing products and merchants that receive positive ratings and feedback from our users. In July, we initiated an impression redistribution process to prioritize more high-quality merchants and products within the app's feed. In addition, We are augmenting our inventory with more globally recognizable brands and product categories like apparel, home goods, and gadgets that translate well into an online treasure hunt experience. We have a significant amount of data that we can leverage to select attractively priced, high-quality products that should delight our users. Second, we strive to ensure that the Wish app provides an unmatching fun, entertaining shopping experience for all users. To do so, we are developing a more engaging and personalized discovery-based online shopping experience. In addition to providing users with a unique experience, eclectic products, and great prices, the Wish app also provides a way to decompress or to get inspired. Our users have told us that they want the Wish shopping experience to be even more fun and to incorporate even more social elements. We are answering their call by leaning into social commerce and entertaining features, such as video reviews, shoppable influencer content, and more gamification, which has a unique opportunity to create moments of fun in people's lives and also introduce them to products that pique their interest that they may have never known existed. If users feel joy while on the Wish app, we believe that they will come back often. We strongly believe that social shopping experiences are the future of e-commerce. Our focus on entertaining features dovetails perfectly with where the industry is going. We believe that we have the brand and the user base to support leaning into this strategy. We have already begun implementing some of these initiatives. Two weeks ago, we hosted our first live shopping event on Instagram. The live stream featured an influencer conducting a makeup tutorial using beauty products available on Wish. We're also working with a group of influencers to promote apparel products across various social media platforms. 
which is well positioned to be on the leading edge of the social commerce trend. So you can expect to see more of these innovations from us over the next few quarters. To oversee the evolution of our product strategy, we welcomed our new Chief Product Officer, Tarun Jain, to our leadership team just last week. Tarun brings to Wish a deep product management experience, including incubating and leading the development of Google's discovery ads, which typically drive higher levels of engagement than direct response ads. We are fortunate to have someone of Tarun's caliber leading product at Wish. And third, we recognize the need to enhance the user experience on our app from end to end. Since Wish was built on a culture of experimentation, there have been a high number of ongoing platform tests that resulted in a slowdown or latency of the app speed. The slower platform performance impacted the user experience, particularly for existing users who are used to a faster, smoother experience. To address this slowdown, we conducted a thorough review and cleanup of all open tests, which has already resulted in significant latency improvement. In fact, we have reduced our app speed by nearly 50%. This is an impressive upgrade that dramatically enhances the user experience. Going forward, we will aim to more effectively balance testing to advance innovation with the need to maintain optimal platform performance for our users. In July, we brought on our new Chief Technology Officer, Farang Kassay, to oversee Wish's core product suite and the creation of new technology solutions. Farhang also joined us from Google, where he led the development and rollout of full-stack commerce capabilities. Farhang's work with logistics and scaling merchant onboarding at Google are particularly relevant experiences that will have positive impact on our core business. As you may have realized, the actions we are discussing today have one commonality, a focus on our users. We have identified opportunities for improvement and believe that successful execution on these initiatives will position WISH for a strong rebound. However, we do not expect the benefits of these actions outlined today to begin materializing into positive year-over-year results until the second half of 2022. We have already begun to significantly cut back our digital advertising spend and with a focus on maintaining retention of our existing user base in the near term. We believe new buyer conversions will be minimal. Once we see improved user engagement trends, we plan to slowly ramp up our growth advertising investments to reignite our new user acquisition engine. At this time, we will not be providing our usual quarterly revenue outlook as we are focused squarely on execution and efficient expense management. To provide some context, Quarter-to-date total revenue through July 2021 was down approximately 40% compared with the prior quarter, while marketplace revenue was down approximately 55% compared to the same period. With the pullback in digital ad spending, we expect third-quarter revenue to decline further. As a result, we expect third-quarter adjusted EBITDA loss in the range of $70 million to $65 million. As we look ahead to the second half of 2021 and beyond, we are sharply focused on execution and user retention. We have a solid cash position to navigate this turnaround with a goal of returning to growth. We plan to maintain a disciplined approach to cash management as we progress towards improving adjusted EBITDA on a sequential basis, beginning with the fourth quarter of 2021. Before we open up the call for your questions, I want to reiterate that these results are not reflective of what we believe this company can achieve. We clearly have work to do to turn our performance around, but we have identified opportunities for improvement in the way we operate. So I am super optimistic about Wish's future. The initiatives outlined today will support our strategic execution as we progress towards achieving our long-term vision. Along the way, we strive to create a more engaging experience for our users and merchants and to generate greater value for our shareholders. We will work hard to return to growth during 2022 
and we are confident that we will emerge as a stronger business. With that, operator, we are ready for the first question. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key or hash key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Doug Omnat of JP Morgan. Your line is open. Oh, hi. This is uh, Neeraj on for Doug. So just a couple of questions. Uh, so first, just wanted to understand if you can pass through the impact from reopening versus the higher cost of advertising. And second would be, you know, you had talked previously that you can become profitable if you even if you stopped advertising, which we saw in uh, first half of 2019. So how has that dynamic changed uh, in uh, in this quarter? Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Doug. Um, that, that's uh, a good question. Look, as we mentioned, uh, we're facing several macro and company-specific headwinds, uh, which, which we're addressing with the actions uh, that potentially will impact our near-term results, but that we believe will generate uh, more sustainable and consistent long-term revenue growth uh, for WISH. So from a macro perspective, you know, these stay-at-home restrictions, uh, as they ease and as the economies begin to open, consumers spend less time at home and less time on their phones, uh, which has impact user activity on our app. Uh, this includes engagement, uh, conversion to sales, uh, and uh, retention. At the same time, CAC, uh, our customer acquisition cost, increased this quarter and retention has declined, which uh, has reduced LTV to CAC to the point where we believe it just makes a lot more sense to focus on retention instead of investing in new buyer acquisition. So this results in lower ad spend and obviously in, uh, in a slowdown in uh, user and buyer growth. Uh, retention has decreased, decreased this quarter and our marketing is less efficient as the costs uh, for impressions continue to rise. So, uh, as mentioned in the remarks, uh, you know, one ad platform, uh, this is uh, surprising and unexpected, uh, the CPMs, where the CPMs have increased 50% year over year. Uh, that's quite a dramatic rise. Uh, I don't think we've, we've seen that before. On other platforms, uh, the cost has even doubled year over year uh, on a CPC basis. Uh, we expected the retention to improve as uh, our logistics became uh, much more reliable. Uh, we were successful in improving logistics as evidenced by lower customer complaints uh, related to logistics uh, and uh, shipping reasons not being the number one reason any longer for customer service requests or complaints. However, retention has continued to decline, indicating that really we need to improve other areas of our business, uh, starting with, with product quality. Uh, and then once we saw this reduction in retention uh, and increasing cost of acquiring new customers, uh, we adjusted our user acquisition strategy. Right, so as a result of these, these factors, Q2 MAUs were down 22% year-over-year, and active buyers were actually down 44% year-over-year. And this trend actually continues into July as MAUs uh, are down 9%, uh, even compared to, to, to June. Uh, so um, we do plan to reinvest in growth once we see improvements in user engagement trends. Uh, but until then, uh, you know, we think that spending on low-retention buyers is, is not uh, a good uh, uh, strategy for us. And then to address, you know, the second portion of your question, uh, you know, in, in the past, um, you know, uh, with, with where historically uh, the cost of advertising, even on CPM basis, has been, uh, that was the case, and I think uh, notably in 2019. But 
with this unexpected rise in, in, in digital advertising, uh, that has become uh, a much greater challenge. Got it. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Stephen Jew of Credit Suisse. Your line is open. Hey, this is uh, Tyler um, for, for Stephen. Uh, so, Peter, it, it seems like for now the uh, LTV to CAC ratio is not uh, at a place where you want to spend um, on acquisition, but uh, one thing you can do to potentially increase LTV um, is a better product selection or, or more selection in general. Uh, so what can you do in that regard? Um, I think you talked about apparel and home goods in um, your prepared remarks. Um, so is that a potential recovery direction you could take? Uh, and any more color here would be appreciated. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, thanks Tyler. Yeah, so the car marketplace revenue for active buyer is actually up 21% uh, year over year. Uh, so, so there are there are signs um, that that sort of continues to to improve. Um, you know, we're seeing sort of signs of that uh, with, with the AOV as well. Um, and of course, we want to add as many products uh, as possible that will ultimately appeal and, and delight our customers. So, expansion into uh, more more branded products or even more high quality products is part of that strategy, uh, especially in categories where that will drive uh, further sort of repeat purchase behavior. Your next question comes from the line of Jason Helstein of Oppenheimer. Your line is open. Hey, um, thanks. Um, and and appreciate um, in the letter the you know, you, you've clearly laid out that this is going to take a year um, and, and there's a significant reset here. So my question is, should you be? Are there any markets that you plan to exit? Um, do you think it makes sense to kind of look at the logistics business almost as a standalone business and kind of run that on its own? Let that try to also serve external customers and then also obviously kind of serve wish customers. Um, and then I guess um, you know you you outline the two management changes you've already made, but um, you know, maybe just talk about what else you need to do to kind of go through this transition. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jason. Uh, so in terms of, uh, you know, advertising in any specific markets, um, the, the majority of our advertising is focused on, focused on our key markets. So that includes Europe, uh, North America. We continuously review our ad spend. Uh, and, and determine sort of where to invest, where, where the regions can be successful. Um, and, um, uh, you know, we may sort of exit future markets. There's no plans right now if, if we find that, you know, they're not workable at the time. But uh, I don't think we have anything to announce there uh, at this point in time. Um, so we will sort of continue to assess the situation, uh, but, you know, no, no specific plans uh, in, in mind. Um, your second question, you know, with respect to logistics and, and, and what we're doing there, you know, I think ultimately right now we're just focused on providing the best logistics solutions uh, for our merchants uh, and really providing faster, uh, much more reliable logistics solutions, leveraging volume cost uh, savings. Um, 
figuring out whether, uh, you know, sort of how to sort of optimize uh, the, the flow. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, at this point in time, we're looking for as much adoption as possible. I think it's really, and we have nothing to announce there, whether, whether we should be uh, really, you know, spinning this out um, as a sort of a separate business. Now, um, we do have this pilot around logistics as a service for non-wish transactions and non-wish merchants, right? So this already includes several online retailers, and we have expanded this test to, uh, to open it up to more retailers. Um, it's probably too early to share any specific details, but we're very encouraged by sort of the, the, the early signs that uh, we've actually um, uh, we've actually had feedback on uh, from the from the participants uh, so far. Um, and then I believe uh, your last question was centered around sort of other leadership changes. Like I think ultimately we want to bring in a world class team. Uh, running an e-commerce company has many sort of different and distinct and unique moving parts. I think uh, with the additions that we've made in just the last uh, four weeks or so, uh, with our chief technical officer and our chief product officer, uh, we're making sort of uh, the right moves. We're always looking to attract top industry talent, uh, but we don't necessarily have, other than sort of the, the CFO search that we have uh, that's going on um, to find a permanent uh, CFO for which, we don't really have anything else to announce at this moment. Thanks for the comment. Your next question comes from the line of Michael McGovern of Bank of America. Your line is open. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my question. I was just wondering if you could dig a little bit further into the quarter-to-date trend that you're seeing that you outlined uh, in the shareholder letter. looks like, in my model, to get to, you know, a 55% decline, I would have to model core marketplace revenue down on a year-over-year basis. And like you said earlier, it was still up 21% in the second quarter. So can you just parse a little bit further into what you're seeing, like, with that and also with product boost quarter to date? And then uh, could you also just dig a little bit into the kind of user engagement trends that you would need to see to once again ramp up that digital ad spend? And what do you want to see from users in terms of that recovery? Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Michael. So, on the quarter of the day trends, you know, I think Jennifer, who's on the on the on this call, is probably the best person to sort of handle uh, or be able to sort of answer what what we're ready to to discuss today. And I'll I'll handle the product boost update or sort of anything around uh, user engagement trends that we will need to to sort of ramp ramp back up uh, sort of growth initiatives in the future. Yeah, it's perfect. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Shreta Kajuria of Evercore ISI. Your line is open. Hey, Shreta, but I wonder if my question needs to be answered first before I jump in. Yeah. Okay, please go ahead. All right. Um, thanks for your question, Mike. Yeah, so in terms of quarter-to-date declines in uh, core marketplace revenue, it's really driven by um, – decline buyers and users, again, partially driven by macroeconomic trends that we're seeing and partially driven by our uh, reduction in ad spend, which just results in lower buyer and user count. And that's just resulting in lower orders um, on the platform. Yeah, and uh, just sort of, you know, uh, product booth update, 
Look, I don't think we have anything specific to update there. Uh, I think product post is, is essentially a function of uh, engagement uh, and conversion rates on the platform. So I'll probably just leave it leave it at that. Uh, and then, uh, Mike, the last part of your question centered around user engagement trends. I mean, look, like ultimately it's driven by uh, our conviction in LTV to CAC uh, ratio. So sort of the, the, this probably we're looking at sort of two components there. What, one, which is much more so within our control, which is the uh, numerator uh, of that of that equation uh, or that formula, which is which is increasing LTV. So you know we're seeing sort of some positive trends, although not enough to sort of overcome what we're seeing with the CAC increases. And the other is potentially by reducing CAC, uh, either just due to external factors or potentially diversifying our marketing initiatives into into these sort of brand new areas that are still very preliminary but that we are experimenting with. Your next question comes from the line of Laura Champagne of Loop Capital. Your line is open. Yeah, thanks for, for taking my, my question. Just kind of high level, what will you need to see before you invest more in marketing expense? Like what are the, the, um, the signposts that you'll need to see in your business that tell you it's the right time to step that up? Yeah, Laura. Um, I think again, you know, so that's uh, a great question. So, yeah, I think it's again sort of our our conviction into LTV over CAC uh, and and the payback period. Uh, and you know, those things can take a while to actually assess, uh, but we believe we have uh, a pretty good sense by by leveraging our historical data on being able to extrapolate even from sort of earlier signals. So, you know, um, we don't need a full two years uh, to, to actually figure out what the expected, you know, LTV of a particular type of user, uh, you know, would w- w- actually become. And I think, uh, uh, again, sort of the numerator uh, in that equation, LTV, is, is very much so uh, up to us. Uh, and the denominator is potentially up to us if we discover ways in which we can um, diversify our sort of growth strategy or customer acquisition strategy in major ways. Uh, so, um, you know, I think there's sort of various ways to do this. Uh, we discussed um, increasing engagement at sort of the top of the funnel, right? So this would be all the types of uh, new features and sort of fun and entertaining experiences. Uh, the other would be to, to increase retention. Uh, and uh, that would largely be driven now that we've done sort of the logistics improvements um, by improving product quality, sort of the, the post-purchase, uh, uh, improving the post-purchase customer experience to drive up uh, higher retention. So we think, you know, we have all the right metrics and we have the right strategy. We just need to be in a place where, you know, it, it's either sort of market by market um, or potentially, you know, category by category or maybe sort of even more generally where we feel confident about, you know, where we're headed with respect to LTB to CAC. Got it. Thank you. Thanks. Your next question comes from the line of Shreta Kajuria of Evercore ISI. Your line is open. Okay, thanks. Let me try two, please. Could you talk about uh, revenue per buyer trends you're seeing in the third quarter? And then the uh, second question is, uh, could you please give more color on the CFO search? So what kind of timeline are we looking at? What are you looking for in the new CFO um, and any any color around that, that would be great. Thanks. Yeah, th- thanks for the question, Trepa. Um, Jennifer 
do we have anything to share at this point in time in terms of uh, revenue per buyer? I'm assuming this is core marketplace revenue or maybe revenue in general per buyer in Q3. I'm not sure if we are sort of disclosing anything there at this point in time. I don't think we've disclosed this at the, at the current time. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, so for the second part of your question, look, we, we continue to work with Hydric and Struggles, uh, you know, prominent search firm to find a permanent CFO. We are, we are encouraged by our progress and believe that we will have a strong finance leader before the end of the year. Okay, thanks. And then, Peter, if I could please uh, add one more. What are your sure. – so how – you you laid out your three priorities um, in your shareholder letter and you talked in your prepared remarks, but you also have other growth um, uh, investment areas and priorities. For example, uh, which local and then logistics remains, you know, whether it's logistics as a service or logistics as in its own an initiative. So how are you reprioritizing your internal – um, operations in terms of, you know, for the next six to 12 months, it, it, are you, well, what is not a priority anymore when, um, uh, when you compare it to these three, um, the three priorities you laid out in the shareholder letter? Thanks. Yeah, Shreffa, that's, that's uh, a great question. So look, with respect to Wish Local, um, and, and that initiative, order ship to Wish Local, uh, for store pickup, you know, continues to grow as an overall percentage of, of total volume. So it's, it's, it's 10% or in Q2, it was 10% of, or, of overall uh, total order volume. And that's up from, from 7% in, in Q1. And then in some markets like Mexico, uh, you know, it's actually north of 50% now. You know, Italy's at, I think, at 37%, Spain's at uh, 27%. And I think we can actually replicate this model in other markets and already seeing strong adoption in markets like Portugal, Hungary, uh, and, uh, and the Netherlands. So I think, Look, we're not going to discontinue this initiative. There uh, aren't that many resources put on it uh, as is. You know, we have 60,000 store partners or so in over 50 countries. We're being very selective, selective and strategic around which store partners, you know, we choose to uh, engage with and, and onboard into this program. So um, we're not cutting these initiatives off. I just think that uh, we actually have uh, bigger opportunities ahead of us uh, in terms of sort of uh, more foundationally changing some aspects of how our consumers engage with the platform, so just from a sort of digital usage perspective. Uh, and then uh, on top of that, really, really, really improving the, the product quality now that we've improved the logistics component. So, you know, I think there's going to be potentially some shuffling of, of, of resources in order to sort of pursue those three pillars. Uh, but, you know, I don't think that we're going to shut down any of these sort of very promising initiatives. Uh, they might not sort of get uh, the amount of resources that they would have otherwise had, uh, but we think that they're still very promising, and um, especially in the long term, that they will be sort of a, a key driver for what we, what we do in the future. Uh, in terms of logistics, you know, again, we, we try to do um, the best that we can. Obviously, first and foremost, prioritizing uh, transactions and consumer experiences for Wish, uh, but you know we still have this pilot uh, that's continuing where we continue to add more and more retailers that are uh, potentially not transacting on, on on Wish at all, or retailers that are on Wish but are leveraging it for transactions off off our platform. And again, you know we're not going to be shutting any of these initiatives down. We might be we might be shuffling resources and reprioritizing things 
because we think that there are much larger opportunities in some of these areas centered around these three pillars. Um, but, uh, but overall, you know, in the long run, you know, we still have this, this sort of massive opportunity and sort of the outlook hasn't changed. Potentially the timeline or, or how we get there has changed around a little bit, uh, but we're super optimistic about the future. Okay. Very helpful. Thank you, Peter. Again, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Again, that is star 1 on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from the line of John Blackledge of Cowan. Your line is open. Hi, this is Bill on for John. Thanks for taking the question. Um, we've heard from several people in the retail and e-commerce industries that shipping and fulfillment environment right now is particularly challenging. Um, could you just talk about the impact you saw and from, from those headwinds and how your logistics platform helps you navigate that environment? And then, then I have one other question. Thanks. Sure. Yeah. Um, look, so I think, uh, it's been sort of challenging, uh, for, for absolutely everyone. I think our advantage, um, has, um, sort of, sort of, Several, uh, several ways to actually do this better. One is obviously just the, uh, volume cost savings that we get, um, just, just from, from partnering with, uh, with our logistics carriers, logistics partners. Two is just much deeper integration, uh, especially, uh, one in, in the sort of first mile operations and cost savings there, but even more importantly so in, in what we're doing with, uh, these tighter integrations in the last mile. And, uh, also going into, you know, what we are, we've been able to do uh, with our A-plus programs, uh, our, our sort of combination uh, efforts, uh, and extending into sort of what we're doing with local, where we're getting even, even larger cost savings. So I think uh, there have been, you know, substantial headwinds. Uh, this really, really started with, with uh, what's been going on with the pandemic, but even earlier, we respected the cost basis, uh, but we think that Logistics will, will sort of continue to be uh, a large competitive advantage with us, especially with volume and especially as we have these tighter integrations all, all the way to sort of last-mile delivery carriers, national postal services or their commercial arms, uh, and even into local stores, uh, which continues to eat up a uh, larger and larger percentage of, of, of order volume. Um, so it, there have been lots of headwinds there, uh, but uh, there have been various uh, ways in which we mitigated. One is optimization. Two is volume cost savings. Three is sort of uh, incentivizing customers to buy more and, and sort of the combination efforts that we have around there. All the optimizations around uh, all those three factors and then ultimately uh, shipping items to stores. And we're excited about, you know, the competitive advantage that we have within our marketplace and eventually extending that uh, sort of starting with the pilot that we're doing to transactions and merchants off-platform as well. Great. Thank you. That's super helpful. And then were there any particular categories that, you know, maybe really struggled or, or stood out as bright spots in, in the quarter and any we should, you know, look forward to in, in 3Q and as we round to the year that should should help to, you know, drive some some level of growth? Um, thank you. Sure. Um, yeah, so, look, our, our largest categories, you know, typically include accessories, hobbies, sort of gadgets, electronics, home decor, fashion, uh, makeup, um, and, and sort of uh, beauty. Um, 
you know, I think sort of consistently what we've been seeing is uh, as we sort of add higher quality products, as we add more branded products, uh, we're seeing sort of an increase in, in, in AOV uh, for the most part. Now, we've, we've sort of launched this new revenue share structure that actually incentivizes higher quality products and products that ship uh, much, much faster. Um, I think um, both electronics and home decor have been uh, doing uh, quite well, uh, so we're going to be leaning into those categories, but we're, we're always looking at adding you know, more branded inventory and filling in the gaps uh, in our catalog, as long as those types of products we feel where it will delight uh, our consumers and our consumers are looking for, for products in those categories. Great. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Nick Jones of City. Your line is open. Great. Thanks. Can, can you touch on uh, revenue per active buyer trends in 3Q versus 2Q and, and how that feeds into kind of the, the trends that were in the press release? Um, and, and then, as you know, as we think about ad spend, I think the rest of the year, are you think I'm a tick, uh, an uptick in ad rates and just efficiency breaking down? Um, and do you, you know, how are you thinking about that? Maybe longer term, is that kind of temporary as more dollars come online, um, or is this kind of structurally higher as, as there's a bigger focus on on digital? Thanks. Yeah. Hey, Nick. Um, so thanks for the question. I'll handle the, sort of the, your second question first, and then I think uh, again, sort of Jennifer, sort of better position to. Uh, to discuss the, um, the sort of uh, revenue proactive buyer trends uh, Q2, Q3 this year. Um, so in terms of, you know, how we're thinking about the ad spend over the next several quarters, like, look, um, much of the top-line impact will primarily be driven by, you know, significantly lower digital advertising spend, and especially on new buyer acquisition. As we address sort of our issues uh, with retention and marketing efficiency and the unit economics around that, which, you know, we, we believe we have a very, very strong and effective plan for. Uh, right now, LTV to CAC is just not in the place uh, where it makes sense for us to spend at historical levels. So we have made a strategic decision to temporarily slow down, especially on, uh, on uh, new, new user or new buyer acquisition. Uh, so if you kind of think about the next several quarters, look, we're going to be taking a very disciplined approach uh, to expense and cash management. Uh, and again, sort of the main level lever, of course, uh, for uh, you know for our advertise our digital ad spend. Historically, it's been you know 95% or so of sales and marketing expense. For Q3, we began significantly reducing ad spend, uh, especially uh, starting in July, uh, and we expect the ad spend to be lower for the second half of Q3 than than the first. So as a result, you know, adjusted EBITDA is expected to be in the range of negative 70 to negative 65 million, uh, as mentioned earlier. Uh, and we plan to maintain ad spend uh, at this reduced level until we see an improvement trends uh, in terms of uh, user engagement and really sort of the numerator of the LTV to CAC equation. Uh, just a sort of reminder, historically, approximately 60% of our digital ad spend has been focused on driving uh, new app installs, and that's what we've been reduced. We're reducing that spend significantly, and we will continue to do so, uh, likely for the next few quarters as we focused on on sort of engaging with our existing users, uh, resurrecting, you know, quality past users, et cetera. So going forward, you know, we expect to see sequential improvement in EBITDA, uh, but that's going to be sort of an outcome of, of, of lowering ad spend. And, and uh, Jennifer, I don't know if you have any further comments on, you know, revenue per active buyer, you know, Q3 versus Q2, et cetera. Yep, sure. Thanks, Peter, and thanks, Nick, for your question. Um, on active buyers, we did not provide revenue guidance for Q3, 
Um, however, based on Peter's opening remarks, um, we shared that quarter-to-date revenue is down roughly 40% in July, and that's primarily driven by lower buyer count, um, again, driven by lower ad spend. And going through the rest of the quarter, we expect that to decline further as we only started pulling back ad spend part of the way through July. Great. Thanks for taking the question. We've reached the end of our call, and I will turn back to Peter for any closing comments or remarks. Thank you, everyone, for your questions today. Uh, I'd just like to remind everyone we're not satisfied with these results uh, and the outlook. Uh, we all know that we can do better. Uh, we're taking action to improve our performance for the long term, uh, especially with a focus on enhancing the user experience and increasing retention. We look forward to providing an update on our next call in November. Uh, so thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.